Chapter One of the Many Sided Franklin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in December 2015. The Many Sided Franklin by Paul Lester Ford. Published 1899. Chapter One, Part One family relations a man wrote franklin who makes boast of his ancestors doth but advertise his own insignificance for the pedigrees of great men are commonly known and elsewhere he advised let our fathers and grandfathers be valued for their goodness ourselves for our own clearly this objection extended to pride of birth alone and not to knowledge of one's forebears for franklin himself displayed not a little interest in his progenitors and when he went to england as the agent of his colony he devoted both time and travel to searching out the truth concerning them nor was he in fact wholly without conceit of family in default of discovered greatness in his kindred he expressed pleasure in an inference that the family name was derived from the old social order of small freeholders and therefore that they were once the betters of the yeomen and feudatories still another fact too suggests that he was not wholly indifferent to the world's knowledge of his lineage though his father questioned if they were entitled to use either of the franklin arms and added that quote, our circumstances have been such that it hath hardly been worth while to concern ourselves much about these things any farther than to tickle the fancy a little benjamin did not hesitate to appropriate one of the franklin coats of arms while yet only a master printer for as early as seventeen fifty one he advertised quote, lost about five weeks since a silver seal with a coat of arms engraved containing two lions heads two doves and a dolphin whoever brings it to the post office shall have five shillings reward furthermore in adopting this heraldic badge he made objection to its being cheapened by telling a soap-making relative that he would not have him put the franklin arms on his cakes although he did not mind a brother in the same business using the escutcheon as a book-plate franklin's inquiry into the history of his family resulted in the discovery that they had dwelt on some thirty acres of their own land in the village of ecton in northamptonshire upward of three hundred years and that for many generations the eldest son had been village blacksmith a custom so established previous to the removal across the atlantic that the first immigrant bred up his eldest son to the trade in boston fate having other uses for benjamin carefully guarded him from vulcan's calling by making him the youngest son of the youngest son for five generations josiah franklin came to new england about sixteen eighty five with anne his wife and three children a number which swelled to seven within the next four years the mother dying in childbed in sixteen eighty nine less than six months later the widower married abia folger and to this union there were born ten children making in all seventeen writing of the large birth-rate in the colonies franklin asserted that it was rare for more than half of each family to reach adult life a statement not derived from personal experience for 
quote, out of seventeen children that our father had, thirteen lived to grow up and settle in the world, end quote. In common with other New England families of that day, the stock seemed to be weakened by this redundancy. Though Josiah was one of five brothers and the father of ten sons, there was not, when the eighteenth century ended, a single descendant of any of the fifteen entitled to the surname. Benjamin, the tithe, or tenth of Josiah's sons, born January 6, 1706, outlived them all. From his father he derived a heritage difficult to measure, but two of his qualities were singled out by the son as specially noteworthy, a sound understanding and solid judgment in prudential matters, both in private and public affairs, and a mechanical genius in being very handy in the use of other tradesmen's tools. It was indeed a lowly dwelling we were brought up in, wrote one of the children many years after, but we were fed plentifully, made comfortable with fire and clothing, had seldom any contention among us, but all was harmony, especially between the heads, and they were universally respected, and the most of the family in good reputation. This is still happier living than multitudes enjoy. As this might indicate, Josiah Franklin, despite his struggle with poverty and his huge family, was a good parent to his youngest boy, giving heed to his moral, mental, and temporal beginnings. After such brief term of school as he could afford the lad, he took him into his own shop, till Ben made obvious his dislike to the cutting of wicks, the hanging of dips, and the casting of soap. Taking pains, then, to discover his son's preferences, he finally apprenticed him as a printer's devil to his son James. When the brothers quarreled and appeal was made to the father, judgment, the prentice says, was generally in my favor. And though Ben earned his own livelihood from the time that he was twelve years of age, and saw his father only three times after he was sixteen, wherever he speaks of him it is with affection and respect." When he wrote to him, the letters began, Honored Father, and ended, I am your dutiful son, or I am your affectionate and dutiful son, while Josiah Franklin, in turn, began his letters, Loving Son, and ended one with hearty love. More warmly still, the son spoke of his father and mother in a letter to his sister, whom he chided, because you have mentioned nothing in your letter of our dear parents writing again during the final illness of his father dear sister i love you tenderly for the care of our father in his sickness josiah franklin died in seventeen forty five leaving an estate valued at twenty four hundred dollars in franklin's autobiography there is only the barest mention of his mother abaya and merely as the daughter of one of the first settlers of new england Presumably this silence was due to the 18th century attitude toward women more than to any want of affection, for the two corresponded with regularity, even after the mother was, quote, very weak and short of breath so that I cannot sit up to write, although I sleep well at nights and my cough is better and I have a pretty good stomach to my victuals, end quote. And she had to beg her son to, quote, Please excuse my bad writing and indicting, for all tell me I am too old to write letters. End quote. To her, Franklin sent gifts of various kinds, including quote, a moidor, which please to accept towards chaise hire, that you may ride warm to meetings this winter. 
End quote. Upon her death in 1752, he wrote his sister Jane, quote, I received yours with the affecting news of our dear mother's death. I thank you for your long-continued care of her in her old age and sickness. Our distance made it impracticable for us to attend her, but you have supplied all. She has lived a good life, as well as long one, and is happy. End quote. Franklin paid for the stone which marked the grave of his parents, and wrote for it an inscription which vouched that, quote, He was a pious and prudent man, she a discreet and virtuous woman. End quote. And though elsewhere he cites the conventional epitaph as the extreme form of falsehood, he was certainly justified in this inscription. Honor thy father and mother, i.e., live so as to be an honor to them, though they are dead. He made poor Richard advise his readers, and for once preacher and practicer were united. Among the Chinese, he noted with approval, the most ancient and from long experience the wisest of nations, honor does not descend, but ascends. If a man from his learning, his wisdom, or his valor is promoted by the emperor to the rank of Mandarin, his parents are immediately entitled to all the same ceremonies of respect from the people that are established as due to the Mandarin himself on the supposition that it must have been owing to the education instruction and good example afforded him by his parents that he was rendered capable of serving the public of his relations with the sixteen brothers and sisters it is impossible to deal with any fullness four of the brothers died young and a fifth taking to the sea was so little an element in the family life that benjamin remembered quote, thirteen some of us then very young all at one table when an entertainment was made at our house on the occasion of the return of our brother josiah who had been absent in the east indies and unheard of for nine years if this brother who soon after was lost at sea was apparently a small component in franklin's life he none the less influenced it materially since from him the youngster imbibed a keen desire to be a sailor and his father's fear that he would run away was a potent motive for letting the boy leave the trade of soap-making as already mentioned benjamin did not get on well with the half-brother to whom he was bound to learn printing James Franklin was only ten years older than his apprentice, and very quickly the boy made himself as expert as his brother, who, if we are to believe Franklin, turned jealous, and on occasion beat him with unnecessary severity, though in charging that his master was passionate, the printer's boy confessed that he himself was saucy and provoking. James Franklin was forbidden presently by the government to print his newspaper, the New England Courant, and it was continued by a subterfuge in Benjamin's name, the indenture being cancelled to make the trick a little less barefaced. Availing himself of this technical release, Franklin left his brother's service, an act that he later acknowledged to be his first serious erratum, and one which set James Franklin to advertising for a likely lad for an apprentice, little recking how likely a lad he had lost. For a number of years, the breach thus made continued to exist, though the mother urged reconciliation on them both. After James Franklin's death, a turn of fortune's wheel led Franklin to take the eldest son of this brother as an apprentice, and though he records that Jimmy Franklin, when with me, was always dissatisfied and grumbling, yet from the moment the apprentice was over, he and I became good friends. 
he helped the boy to establish himself as a printer at new haven and again at newport sent him occasional gifts of paper printing ink etc and loaned him money to the extent of over two hundred pounds to buy types and a stock of books and stationery that the old grudge was forgotten is proved too by franklin's will in which he left as much to the descendants of james franklin as to the descendants of his other brothers and sisters he seems indeed to have hated family broils or alienation and when a sister once appealed to him to espouse her side of a disagreement he replied quote, if i were to set myself up as a judge between you and your brother's widow and children how unqualified must i be at this distance to determine rightly especially having heard but one side they always treated me with friendly and affectionate regard you have done the same what can i say between you but that i wish you were reconciled and that i will love the side best that is most ready to forgive and oblige the other you will be angry with me here for putting you and them too much upon a footing but i shall nevertheless be dear sister your truly affectionate brother more direct aid was afforded his two other brothers john and peter both of whom set out in life in their father's trade of soap and candle-making although benjamin objected to their stamping the franklin arms on their cakes of soap he ordered quantities of their wares from them both which his wife retailed in his bookshop in philadelphia and increased the sale by recurrent advertisements in franklin's paper which announced with each consignment just imported another parcel of superfine crown soap it cleanses fine linens muslins laces chintzes cambrics and etc with ease and expedition which often suffer more from the long and hard rubbing of the washer through the ill qualities of the soap they use than the wearing it is excellent for the washing of scarlets or any other bright and curious colors that are apt to change by the use of common soap the sweetness of the flavor and the fine lather it immediately produces renders it pleasant for the use of barbers it is cut in exact and equal cakes neatly put up and sold at the new printing office at one shilling per cake neither brother however seems to have prospered in the business for when franklin became deputy postmaster-general he made john postmaster of boston and peter postmaster of philadelphia of the former franklin says in his autobiography that quote, he always loved me end quote. and though there was some family joking about peter's perpetual doctoring of himself so that quote, he cures himself many times a day end quote, benjamin seems to have been fond of him also showing evident grief when quote, it pleased god to take from us my only remaining brother end quote he aided the two widows establishing one in business and continuing the other as postmistress thus making her so far as is known the first woman to hold public office in america he that has neither fools nor beggars among his kindred is the son of thundergust remarked poor richard and franklin's sisters were no more prosperous in life than were his brothers the eldest elizabeth when over eighty years old came to extreme poverty and her relatives consulted the only successful member of the family as to whether her house and fine things should be sold as having their own way is one of the greatest comforts of life to old people 
benjamin replied i think their friends should endeavor to accommodate them in that as well as in anything else when they have long lived in a house it becomes natural to them they are almost as closely connected with it as the tortoise with his shell they die if you tear them out of it old folks and old trees if you remove them it is ten to one that you kill them so let our good old sister be no more importuned on that head we are growing old fast ourselves and shall expect the same kind of indulgences if we give them we shall have a right to receive them in our turn and as to her few fine things i think she is in the right not to sell them and for the reason she gives that they will fetch but little when that little is spent they would be of no further use to her but perhaps the expectation of possessing them at her death may make that person tender and careful of her and helpful to her to the amount of ten times their value if so they are put to the best use they possibly can be a small bequest was made in franklin's will to his sister anne's children and grandchildren several of these drifted to london before the revolution and appealed to their uncle when he came to france for various kinds of assistance one was quote, obliged to work very hard and can but just get the common necessaries of life and therefore has thoughts of going into a family as housekeeper having lived in that station for several years and gave great satisfaction end quote she sought his aid in securing the promotion of her son then in the british navy a peculiar request considering franklin's relations or lack of relations at the moment with the british government toward another jonathan williams the uncle seems to have been well disposed he took charge of his education while in london made the young fellow his secretary for a time and finally was instrumental in having him made commercial agent of the united states in france during the revolution an appointment which caused first oblique censures and ultimately outspoken denunciations williams was accused of dishonesty and his uncle promptly wrote i have no desire to screen mr williams on account of his being my nephew if he is guilty of what you charge him with i care not how soon he is deservedly punished and the family purged of him for i take it that a rogue living in a family is a greater disgrace to it than one hanged out of it fortunately the nephew was able to clear himself but the appointment had caused scandal and had been one source of the american divisions in paris as well as in the continental congress another unfortunate result was that williams later became embarrassed in some private ventures in france and franklin unjustifiably used the influence of his position to secure from the french government a surcease as regarding his creditors franklin's sister sarah died shortly after marriage quote, a loss without doubt regretted by all who knew her for she was a good woman End quote. Her husband, Josiah Davenport, encouraged by his brother-in-law, removed to Philadelphia and opened a bakery where he sold, quote, choice Midland biscuit, varied by occasional offerings of Boston loaf sugar, choice pickled and spiced oysters in kegs, end quote. One of her sons, on the death of Peter Franklin, was appointed by his uncle, postmaster of Philadelphia, but he does not appear to have been competent, and was soon superseded by another appointee, and given a smaller office under the government. Of all his sisters, the youngest, Jane, was, so Franklin told her, ever my peculiar favorite, 
and he took pride in the news that she had grown a celebrated beauty. Evidently it was not merely a fraternal view, for the girl was married at fifteen, the brother writing her upon the event that he had almost determined to send her a tea-table, but... Quote, when I considered the character of a good housewife was far preferable to that of being only a pretty gentlewoman, I concluded to send you a spinning-wheel, which I hope you will accept as a small token of my sincere love and affection. And in this monitory strain, the aged brother of twenty continued, quote, Sister, farewell, and remember that modesty as it makes the most homely virtue amiable and charming, so the want of it infallibly renders the most perfect beauty disagreeable and odious. But when that brightest of female virtues shines among other perfections of body and mind in the same person, it makes the woman more lovely than an angel. Excuse this freedom, and use the same with me. I am, dear Jenny, your loving brother. End quote. A very large progeny resulted from this marriage, in all of whom Franklin took an interest. Quote, my compliments to my new niece, Miss Abiah, and pray her to accept the enclosed piece of gold to cut her teeth. It may afterwards buy nuts for them to crack. End quote. He wrote of one arrival, and gave material help to the children as they grew up, aiding one to sell the soap he made, taking a second as an apprentice in his printing office, and afterward assisting in his establishment in that business, endeavoring to get a government position for a third, and, on the marriage of a fourth, sending a gift of, quote, fifty pounds, lawful money, to be laid out in furniture as my sister shall think proper, end quote. From this niece he received an exuberant acknowledgment, declaring that, quote, My heart has ever been susceptible of the warmest gratitude for your frequent benefactions to the whole family, but your last kind, unexpected, as well as undeserved noble presence in particular to me calls for a particular acknowledgment from me. Accept then, dearest sir, my most sincere and hearty thanks, with the promise that your kindness shall ever be gratefully remembered, and your donation be made the best use of. End quote. Jane herself carried this admiration even to the point of veneration. Yet when absent from her brother, she expressed her regret, quote, having had time to reflect and see my error, in that I suffered my diffidence, or the awe of your superiority, to prevent the familiarity I might have taken with you, and which your kindness to me might have convinced me would be acceptable, end quote. With extreme reverence, she wrote to Franklin that, quote, it is not profanity to compare you to our blessed Savior, who employed much of his time while on earth in doing good to the bodies as well as the souls of men, and I am sure I think the comparison just, End quote. This adoration is the more excusable when Franklin's services to her are weighed. Her husband's death left her a large family to rear, and but for Benjamin's constant eking out of her means, it would have fared hard with the widow. She told her brother that her happiness was derived from, quote, your bounty, without which I must have been distressed as much as many others, and assured him that she could not find expressions suitable to acknowledge my gratitude, how I am by my dear brother enabled to live at ease in my old age. Myself and children have always been attacks upon you, she wrote to him, but your great and uncommon goodness has carried you cheerfully under it, end quote nor was Franklin's charity an enforced one. 
you always tell me that you live comfortably he chided but i sometimes suspect that you may be too unwilling to acquaint me with any of your difficulties from an apprehension of giving me pain i wish you would let me know precisely your situation that i may better proportion my assistance to your wants lest you should be straitened during the present winter i send you fifty dollars and not satisfied that she acknowledged all her needs he questioned other relatives Quote, how has my poor sister gone through the winter tell me frankly whether she lives comfortably or is pinched i am afraid she is too cautious of acquainting me with her difficulties though i am always ready and willing to relieve her when i am acquainted with them jane and benjamin outlived all their brothers and sisters and franklin upon the death of one of the last said to her Quote, of these thirteen there now remain but three as our number diminishes let our affection to each other rather increase quote. in one of her later letters the sister recurred to this writing quote, you once told me my dear brother that as our number of brethren and sisters lessened the affection of those of us that remained should increase to each other you and i are now left my affection for you has always been so great i see no room for increase and you have manifested yours for me in such large measure that i have no reason to suspect its strength jane mickham alone of josiah franklin's seventeen children survived the famous son and in his will franklin left to her a house and a lot i have in unity street boston gave her the yearly sum of fifty pounds sterling and left a small sum of money to her descendants End of chapter one part one